Hello, I'm Mark. And I'm Trevor. And this is Talk Apocalypse, a podcast about the current Fortnite of Apocalypse Sports Trivia. And today we have a special episode for the Uber Shaft. And we have a special guest host for the Uber Shaft. So without further ado, Sports Rudamus, take it away. Guys, I just want to say how disappointed I am in you. This was a fiercely independent podcast for AST. And now you've got the man on. Now you've got the corporate suits on your podcast. I don't know if anybody can trust you again. Uh, no, yeah, this is awesome. Uh, I've really enjoyed listening to it this whole fortnight. I kind of want people to know I didn't put you up to it, right? This is not like, <laughs> you guys did this on your own. I wasn't like, we need a podcast. You guys do it. Yeah, so let's do this, man. Ubershaft. The, um, I guess I'll just explain it quickly, uh, Mark, like you asked. The Ubershaft is the grand championship of AST. We have Meisterschafts, uh, which I think is the German word for championship. I believe that's the etymology. That happens after every fortnight, and then every two years, we take anybody who's won a Premiership Meisterschaft, a Liga 2 Meisterschaft, or a Junior Meisterschaft, and this time we also, I issued, um, between myself and the Proctors, we issued 10 special invites, so we have 40 total people taking this as the sort of grand championship of the uh, of the whole kitten caboodle. So the people who are taking this are the real who's who of AST, like these, these are the big names. yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like Ryan Luptak, Daniel Brezina, all these guys are going. Um, and then, yeah, for the special invites, it's people like Sean Vinzel, who's been an amazing player, but somehow didn't qualify over the last two years because the competition is so crazy. You know, people like, you know, Aaron Kessler, people like that, that I have a feeling, you know, would, would kick butt of this. So, yeah, we just wanted to expand it a little bit. We got all our proctors in full motion. The whole the AST machinery is is going hard uh, over the next two weeks. Yeah, so I don't I don't know what to expect for this for uh like low low level premiership or Liga Two guys like us, but uh, we'll see yeah. what happens. I'm I'm excited about this. Everybody's about to find out why we did not get special invitations, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> if we keep sucking up to the man, next next time we will get special invitations. Well, you guys, if you if one of you guys will count as the unofficial, you know, if you win somehow, we'll be like, but really, you know, we'll put an asterisk by the other winner's name, saying he wouldn't have beat Mark on this one. <laughs> I think no, it's Trevor. You... It's Trevor, not me. If you've been listening, <laughs> no, no Shane, way. you know that I was I was a hot mess this whole fortnight. You had, you had a tough one, but I mean, you know, you fought valiantly. I feel like what, what's so funny about not only a fortnight, but about the Meisterschafts and also the Ubershaft is that every once in a while, you know, it either hits your wheelhouse or it doesn't. And so like what I love in the Meisterschafts is when someone from like League 5 puts up an 8 and you're like, what the hell? How did that yeah. happen, right? Yep. Beats everybody in League 2 or like, you know, ties everybody in the Premiership. We just we've had two. I can say this because we'll we'll. I'm assuming this will run after it's all over. Yes, we've given two official Uber shafts, and we have an eight and a seven. But when I gave the play test, John Collin, who's one of our proctors, who sits in I think two or three or something like that, mm-hmm. he scored like thirteen or fourteen. Right again, so it just shows you it's kind of like what yeah. what hits you and mm-hmm. what doesn't on the day it can be pretty random, uh, which is kind of fun. That's trivia. So mm-hmm. yeah, we just took we just did the Meister Shaft, and I got I got six, and Trevor would have had seven. So yeah, I mean those are both phenomenal, not just good. Those are phenomenal scores on this Meister Shaft because this was I think the hardest one we've ever done, and I I forget the stats, but the overall get rate was like thirty seven percent or something mm-hmm. crazy. All right, All right. so what? How's this thing going to work? Okay, so the Uber Shaft is just think of it as the Meister Shaft doubled. Um, it is twenty questions. You're going to have two from each category. The questions are going to play, I think, harder, you know, than normal, or maybe maybe not as hard as the Meisterschaft you just took. But, you know, it is for the 40 best players, in our opinion, in AST. So, you know, consider that. And I thought a fun way for us to do it, I'll give you that, guys these questions. I'll I'll read them aloud. 
and you can chat me your answer and then we can talk through them after we've done them. So, uh, and we'll play a little match play between you guys. So, you know, if Trevor got the first one and Mark didn't, you know, Trevor would be one up after one question and we'll, uh, we'll kind of see how that goes. Sound good. Make sense. Sounds good. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to paste them as I read them in the chat. Yep. And uh, I apologize if this episode ends up being like nine hours because <laughs> I was going to say this, this might this might be double the. We have a forty way. minute Zoom, tra- uh, Shane. That's forty minute Zoom and Luke Litter. We talk Luke Litter's on in uh, twenty minutes. So here we go. Yeah. Okay. Question one: The Soviet Union, Italy, Brazil, and Poland are the only four nations to have won at least three men's world championships in what sport? Okay, Trevor's answer is in. All right, gentlemen, you are all square after one. You have both answered correctly. Uh, volleyball. So I'll let you guys kind of talk through nice. how you got there. Italy and Brazil mostly gave it to me. It's two powerhouse volleyball nations. I know Italy has the, if not the, one of the premier women's volleyball league. So figuring they probably have a great men's as well. So Italy and Brazil, I went that route. So went volleyball. It really took me the full, I, I think, probably 30 to 40 seconds of thinking about this for all of a sudden, I was like, what could Italy and Brazil have in common that's not soccer? I was like, it just hit me like a shot volleyball. Both my daughters play volleyball. I watch a ton of volleyball. Trevor, you're right. Italy has the premier women's volleyball, like professional league. And yeah, Poland and the Soviet Union, sure. But uh, Italy and Brazil, <laughs> it was just like, I can believe Soviet Union and Poland being good. So yeah, Italy, but Italy and Brazil also tipped it for me. Yeah, although the Soviet Union hasn't won in more than 30 years. So I don't know how good they are. Yeah, uh, a bit of a, bit of a yeah. drought for them. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> really how good much. they are. Uh, no, that's that's exactly when I wrote the question. I said Italy, Brazil are going to be the ends here for people who know this stuff, even if you're not like a big volleyball fan. So always gratifying. Move on to number two. Okay, this is one of those questions that happens occasionally where when I write it for AST for the normal fortnights, it can be as long as it wants because people are reading it. And sometimes I write one for the Meisterschafts and don't realize how effing long it is until I have to read it out loud. So here we go. One particularly itinerant NBA player has been with six different teams since 2015. Began his NBA career with the Spurs, then moved to the Pistons, Clippers, 76ers, and Mavericks before landing in 2022 with the Houston Rockets, where he has played in three games this season. Name him, and here, first name alone is acceptable. Trevor, you've answered. Neither one so far. I'll, oh, okay. let, you, I'll let you saw, know. I thought I saw him typing. I have an I have an answer put into the chat. I'm just not ready okay. to submit yet. <laughs> Shane's gonna call time on us here soon. So well, we'll I'll give you the ninety. We'll do the usual ninety seconds. Yep. Hey, Trevor's in. I'll tell you the only guy I can think of who might only have one name is Nene, and it's not him because <laughs> he's been around longer. Than that. But that's gonna be my answer. So. All right. After two questions, Trevor is one up. Trevor has correctly sussed out that the answer is Boban. Boban. Oh my word, Marjevic. <laughs> the the first name is acceptable here was a clue, and also because when I thought of it, I was like, I have no idea what the dude's last name is. He's Boban. There's 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 Bohan and Boban, right? There's a guy named Bohan something. There's Bo uh, Boyan. Bo- Boyan is that his Boyan Bogdan or Bogdan Bogdan? That's what Bog- that's. So I typed in Boban. Somebody okay. else. I typed in Boban and I was like, "Is it? There's a there's a there's one with a J. Which one is it? It was it was a I was a true fifty fifty for me. Yeah, Boban's in the State Farm commercials, and that was actually a question in I play a buzzword sports buzzword, which is kind of a cool game. And yeah, that was one mm-hmm. of the questions earlier this year. So I would not have got that. I I honestly forgot about him. So <laughs> and I knew he had a last name, so I wasn't I wasn't sure. Uh, shout out to the movie Hustle with Adam Sandler. Boban is in that, and he's hysterical in that movie, too. Okay, Trevor, uh, one up, going to question three, which is, 
Of the seven women who have won more than 10 Grand Slam singles titles, one of them won every title in the amateur era, while four won each of their titles in the open era. Name one of the two women who won titles in both eras. By the way, I'm not trying to be tricky here. This is about tennis. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to spend time thinking about that part. I'm actually going to add I that think. into the question here. <laughs> okay, Trevor's in mm-hmm. and Mark's in. Gentlemen, we remain one up, Trevor, after three. You're both correct in getting Margaret Court. She's a bit of a she who now shall not be named kind of person, but that was, yeah, anyway. I'm in the same boat. That was, I think, the one who won them all in the amateur era is Helen Wills Moody. That would have been my guess. And I nice knew job. she was yes, from like the correct. 20s. And the other kind of quasi old timey tennis name that's not super modern I, that I thought straddled the era was Margaret Court. I don't know who the other one is, though. The original version of this question uh, was directed at finding Helen Wills Moody. Um, it was basically saying, here's the, all the people who have won this many. Who's the one that won 19? That's not one of these people. You know, you're naming Everett, Nevertilova, Graf, Court, you know, Serena Williams. The other one here is Billie Jean King. Oh. Kind of the opposite of Margaret Court in terms of <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> in terms of in terms of what we think about her today. Indeed. Billie Jean King, she's getting things named after her. Margaret Court is getting things that were in her name taken away. Yeah. <laughs> taken it away. That's right. All right, gentlemen, let's go to number four. Name the first pitcher to reach 400 saves for an MLB career. This player, who is now third on the all-time saves list, was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame with 100% of the vote in 2019, the same year as Mariano Rivera, though unlike Rivera, he was selected by the Veterans Committee. Trevor is in. Mark is in. Gentlemen, you're you're blazing it right now. Trevor remains one up. You're both correct in that the answer is Lee Smith. Red Sox legend, Lee Smith. For, I think two years, maybe he pitched for the Red Sox. But yeah, I remember he was one of the guys who, like, obviously was the original. He was the saves leader for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I know that. Yep. And yeah, I did not think he, I did not know he got in the Hall of Fame in 2019, but it makes sense that he wasn't elected, that he was a Veterans Committee choice. Yeah, I think this is a fairly gettable baseball question. If you're, if you're, if you're a Uber Shaft player, uh, no baseball, just an old saves guy, Lee Smith. Good job, guys. All right, on to number five. Give the nickname of Eric Esch, who retired in 2013 with a 77-10-4 professional record. He has made noise recently about coming back for one last bout against Jake Paul. Mark is in. Oh, oh geez. Wow. Putting the pressure on. That was instant. I don't have a clue. Oh, a nickname. I think I'll hunt on this one. I'm not going to come up with anything for this. Mark, Mark, Mark we're we're all square after five. Tell tell them what it is, Mark. It's Butterbean. The mononymous Butterbean. I couldn't have told you what oh. his real name was, but oh. yeah, like the original, like was he Tough Guys? Was that what the show was? He was on or something? He was. It was some TV boxing thing, and he was just this big fat bald dude. Oh, is, is that this? <laughs> the big fat white guy? Yes. Indeed. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, three for guys. I think you're three for five. Both right. Does that sound correct? No, I don't I think, think I. That, that was my. That was the first. I. That's the first I've missed. I think. Oh, so you're both four for five. Four okay. For five. Spectacular. Yeah. Sorry to shortchange you, Trevor. All right. Let's do number six. The website 442.com ranked Michel Platini as the third greatest men's soccer player ever from his country. Name numbers one and two on that list, both of whom played and scored for a World Cup winning team 11 years after Platini's retirement. Okay, Mark is in. One of these. So based on the way the way you pronounced it, sounds very French. So I know what kind of part of the world I'm in. It's probably, it's, this probably is France to be a big enough soccer nation where this is a question. So Zidane comes to mind immediately. I don't know many others that come to mind immediately. Olivier Giroud, I think it's French. 
Is he number two? That seems too high. Uh, in the absence of anything better, I think I'll just go Zidane and uh, Giroud. All right. Mark has taken the lead. Mark is one up after six. Zinedine Zidane is correct. The other one is Thierry Henry. Oh. Um, and before you get into how you knew this one, I just want to, one kind of funny thing. I read this question. I'm not a soccer guy. I read it for the playtesters, and I said, like, Michel Platini. And one guy got went to Italy with it because of the way I said it. And my friend Sean, who knows soccer much better, told me it's Platini. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it makes a difference how you say it, right? Yeah, that, <laughs> we that, joked that... in the Uber shaft, like, we'll be eating a plate of spaghetti and, you know, Platini. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and direct all people wrong. But, yes, Mark is correct. Uh, Henri and Zidane. My dad was a, a Latin and French teacher, high school Latin and French teacher. And in 1980, 85 or 86, he got the opportunity to go to France for a summer to study at the Sorbonne. And when he came back, he brought me back a poster of Michel Platini from the World Cup. And I actually pretty sure he is the head of the French Soccer Federation right now. Yeah. So I knew it was France. It was obviously the World Cup, the 98 winning World Cup team, because I knew he played in the 80s. And so I wasn't sure about Henri. That was, I was kind of like, who else could it be? I mean, Laurent Blanc, I know, scored for the French in that 98 World Cup. He was a very good player, but it kind of had to be Henri and Zidane. Obviously, I think France, you know, until Mbappe retires, I think Zidane will still be considered probably the best French player ever. I'm upset with myself about that one. I went with Giroud, who was it because he played it for Arsenal. Mm -hmm. Didn't didn't think about the other more famous (laughs) Arsenal player. And Giroud's current too, like, so... He's getting older, but yeah, he's, he's still been around for a while, for, though. He's playing with Pulisic, right? On Milan, you see Milan, I think. Hey, gentlemen. So Mark takes the lead here. Let's go to question seven. If you combine all the Winter Olympic medals won by the Soviet Union, Russia, and the various designations Russia has competed under, the grand total is 387 medals. That's still 18 short of what other nation? Trevor is in. I don't think this is the U.S. So way too many medals for winter for the u.s so i would say norway yep and you're both right i think this may be perhaps you know may end up playing the easiest question of the uber shaft i think fairly intuitive but yeah you both got it norway um so i guess we're still mark one up after seven here yeah when i think of winter olympic dominance it's norway yes they basically win like every nordic skiing Mm -hmm. event and biathlon and you know a lot of speed skating and some of the stuff that you don't see on on tv very much so yeah they're definitely good at um winning all the ones with a million events right it's like like mary borgen has like 20 medals herself because she wins six every olympics yeah Uh, dolly and bjorn dolan you know those yeah yeah yeah, one's a biathlete one's correct yep they both won like 12 gold medals like yeah all right guys let's go to number eight on january 8th 2012 an nfl quarterback threw the 17th and final touchdown pass of his career Name the player who caught the pass. Okay, Trevor is in. Go about 30 more seconds, Mark. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is Heinz Ward who was being talked about, although I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of anybody else who was a non-quarterback and threw a lot of touchdown passes. Then if it's Heinz Ward, who did he throw it to? Okay, we're back on even ground here. Trevor has correctly sussed out that the quarterback was Tim Tebow, and he remembered that the receiver in that playoff game in January was Demarius Thomas. Bebe Thomas, yep. That was a great yeah, game. The, yeah, the, the Tim Tebow part was pretty quick for me because I went and got a Tim Tebow jersey for Christmas that year. So Tim Tebow was very much on my mind around that time. There were a couple of Broncos receivers that I was like, what, was Brandon, Brandon Marshall, was he on the Broncos at that time? But Demarius Thomas was the one that kept coming to mind. That makes a ton of sense. And I 
I completely remember that game. I hate the Steelers as a Patriots fan. And yeah, that pleased me to no end that not only did the Steelers lose to the Broncos in that game, but that meant that the Patriots got to play against Tim Tebow the next week in the playoffs, which was great because that was going to be an automatic W, which it was. Well sussed out, Trevor. Yeah, well done. You guys are both doing really well. Six for eight for both. We're all square in the match. Let's go on to number nine here. Getting into the games realm. Name the two cards that are most valuable when taken in on tricks in the game Pinochle. These two cards are also used to refer to a class of card games generally, like Pinochle, in which they hold the highest value. Okay, Mark is in. I think one of them's Ace. Just that makes sense. Ace is the highest card. What the other one? I'm trying to go. I'm trying to think out to all my time watching the World Series of Poker and following that. If there's any games that involve a card which they hold the highest value, because I don't know Pinochle. Eight is the number eight is coming to mind. There's Deuce Seven. I don't think that has to do with that. Could seven be the highest in that? I will say Ace and Seven. Right, you both got the Ace part, and you both you both missed the other one. The other one is Ten. Uh, this is oh. another one I had no idea about, but Ace-10 games are apparently a, a whole subset of trick-taking games like Pinochle. And also, I think another thing I didn't know, Pinochle is only played with Ace through 9 or Ace through 10. So these are all these are all oh. facts that you can do with what you will. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Ace and 10 is the answer on that one. I said Ace and 2 because all I can think of was Acey Ducey as something that I've heard of that has the right. word Ace in it. Yep. Could be a class of card games so yeah i i did think 10 i was thinking maybe jack 10 because i know my parents used to play pinochle i've never played okay all square through nine six and nine for both players here's number 10 completing the final category hockey craig berube and larry robinson are the two interim coaches who have led their nhl teams to a stanley cup championship two other interim coaches have lost recent stanley cup finals both to the tampa bay lightning name either one i know the team I just can't think of the guy's name. I can't think of the guy's name. Hey, Trevor's in. Okay, so this was a tough one, and I think one interesting thing to watch this Meisterschaft or this Ubershaft is that both hockey questions are incredibly hard, and that may be a mistake by me, but people who know hockey are going to get it. So if a Canadian wins this Ubershaft, you probably have me to blame because other ones are more accessible. This one, I, I thought maybe it would be a little easier. I certainly didn't know it, but I'm not a hockey guy. The answer is Rick Bonus, who coached okay. the Dallas Stars okay. in 2020. Yeah. And, then the next, and the next year, Dominic Ducharme coached the Canadians, the Canadians yeah. in 21. Both both of those were won by the Lightning. Okay. Um, to me, these guys, not at all familiar, but I may have misgaged how much they're known to you know, a, a slightly less casual. Yeah. Rick bonus is certainly a big, enough, big enough name. Thought of the stars. Couldn't tell you, couldn't tell you who coached him, but okay. I mean, I've heard, I've definitely heard of Rick bonus at least. Yeah. For me, I was, I was positive that you were talking about the Canadians coach and I could not have told you who that was. That was the COVID weird COVID year where the, right. even though the Canadians and our lightning are both in the Eastern, you know, the Canadians were technically in their own division. The Canadian teams were so at Rick bonus. I mean, he coached the Bruins a long, long time ago. He's been around the league for sure. So I could not, I, I didn't think about the stars at all, but I definitely thought about the Canadians, but I could not have, could not think of who, who their coach was at that time. So, all right. So despite a little, uh, you know, cold spell here, you guys finished six of 10 in the first half, which is I think quite good. So let's go on to the second half. Starting with number 11, there are only two golfers in history who have been ranked first in the official world golf rankings established in 1986, but have never won a major. Both of them are English. Note, not Scottish. Name them both. And I should specify here. These are men's golfers. Hey, Trevor's in. 
not totally sure about this, but oh, not Scottish. Hold on. Is he Scottish? Oh, man. He's probably Scottish. Is he Scottish? Is Mrs. Doubtfire Scottish? I don't know. Um, if it's any consolation, Mark, you didn't get either one of them. So, <laughs> but yeah, Colin Montgomery is Scottish. Trevor, I'm very proud of you. My precious boy he knows his golf. Luke Donald and Lee West- and Lee Westwood is the answer to this one. Colin Montgomery was never number one, and I, I actually added that in after play testing when I realized everybody's going to say Colin Montgomery on this. So I wanted to direct people away from that. But yeah, it's Lee Donald and uh, or sorry, Luke Donald <laughs> and <laughs> Luke Donald. I write for Golf Digest, folks. Luke Donald and Lee Westwood. And uh, yeah, Trevor, you go one up. How'd you get that one? Lee Westwood is a name I know that has been number one and has not won, and then. I thought of Justin Rose being number one, and I was like, I think he's won a major. Like, I know several times, I remember him being in the lead after 18 or after 36, but I thought he won one at some point recently. So Luke Donald was the second name that came to me after a little while. So Justin Rose won at Marion in 2013 at the U.S. Open. I was there for that one. Yeah, I felt I Rose crossed my mind, but I was positive he had won a major. I also, I said Monty and Paul Casey because I, Pretty sure Paul Casey's never won a major. Oh, I think Paul I got Casey's a, good. I got a question wrong about that not too long ago somewhere. Yeah. I did think about Lee Westwood. Actually, wasn't sure he had ever been number one, but I also don't really know who has been number one. I don't pay attention to world golf rankings much. And I'll say this: Luke Donald, really short. <laughs> he walked right past me at the Masters. I went to a practice round in 2010 and saw him teeing off on is it six? That's the really like the par three with the big valley in front of it and the really sloped green. So yeah, he was he teed off and right in front of us. I was like, that guy's really short. And it was Luke Donald. He's like, I think he's like five five or something like that. So it is remarkable how small some professional golfers are. Like yes. Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. If you if you're next to them, hmm. you Mark, you and me both would be like, damn, these guys are little. How do they hit the ball so far? <laughs> <laughs> how can they out hit me by 150 yards of those tiny bodies? Okay, so Trevor's golf prowess has him now, I believe, one up in the match. Seven for eleven. Good job by both, of course. All right, here is number twelve. Name the 21-year-old Croatian defender who excelled for his country at the 2022 World Cup and won two DFB Pokals, I may be mispronouncing that, with RB Leipzig, even scoring an equalizer in a Champions League round of 16 match against his current club. Mark is in. in. So this one, guys, is a uh, Croatian defender who now plays for Man City named Josko or Josko Gvardiol. Okay. Sure. Make of that what you will. Okay, Sure. <laughs> Yeah. All the Croatian guys I can think of are older. You know, like yeah. I said, Perisic, which I was positive was wrong. But yep, I said, I said, I said, Modric. Yeah, these last two questions are kind of a very uber shafty questions in that they would play extremely difficult if I were ever to have them in it, and I probably wouldn't. The, the Guardiola question, maybe, maybe you justify yourself, like okay, once in AST, I can have a ten percent soccer question. The golf one would have been named one of those guys instead of two, but right. yeah, as you see, the difficulty level starting to uh, starting to go up here. Yeah, I'm feeling it. All right, number thirteen, Trevor remains one up. Name the player who matched Stephen Hendry's record of seven world titles with his own seventh victory in 2022. Trevor's in. Trevor is quick, so that means this is either snooker or darts. Probably, I'm probably picking the wrong sport. You're both correct. I think Trevor, you wanted to sort of. I was careful not to say, oh, Trevor's going to get this one because I know you've written snooker friendlies. I think you should have kind of like waited 45 seconds. I should have. I know. Looked oh, really yep. puzzled because I think I think Mark kind of kind of picked up off you there. I I play this poorly. And the answer, of course, Ron, I should say the answer, Ronnie O'Sullivan, and, and the sport is snooker. Yeah. 
I, I, I think I would have got it right regardless because <laughs> that was either snooker or darts. And I do watch darts. I was trying to think if Michael Van Gerwen had won seven world titles and I'm like, I don't think he has. So that's why I would have, even without, despite Trevor answering like almost instantly, mm -hmm. I still think it would have gone mm -hmm. the snooker route with Ronnie O'Sullivan, who I know has won a lot of world titles. And also in Bill, darts, the, the power, I was gonna say, yeah. the powers won far more than seven. Yeah. Right. There was, yeah, plenty of guys who had won. I know won a lot and won, won some recently. So Ronnie beat my boy, Judd Trump in, uh, in that final. Okay. So Trevor remains one up through 13 questions. Number 14, Russ Hewson is the all time scoring leader in U sports, men's hockey, the first division in Canadian college sports. What school did he play for? This school also holds the record for most U sports, men's hockey titles with 16 and most women's titles with eight. Hey, Mark is in. I don't know. I see why you say a Canadian may just take the Uber shaft. I don't know Canadian college sports. And now being revealed as a very big blind spot for me. I don't, <laughs> wouldn't consider this. I know some people that I went to college with transferred to a Canadian university. I think it was in Montreal, but they were music students. So I don't know if that, that doesn't help me with the, the sports. But uh, since I know it's a university in Canada, I will say McGill University. Yeah, I had some, uh, you know, upstate New York. I had some McGill folks too. Uh, no, this one, again, this is like I said earlier. This this one, in theory, yeah, name the most successful Canadian college hockey program. Doesn't sound that bad. In practice, it's almost unknowable. Except I think all Canadians are going to know. It's the University of Alberta. Mm. John Collin helped me craft this one and actually make it easier because I realized the original version was way too hard. But it's still, I think, pretty hard. So yeah. we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens with that one. Uh, certainly not anything I knew. But there, there are a couple Canadians. There's a couple there are, Canadians in the Uber? Yeah, Eric Ida is is one to watch for. Um, he finished, I think, third or fourth in the first Uber shaft. I honestly don't know if there's more than him. But he'll have a nice little, uh, perhaps a two-question head start there. So we'll see. Yeah, this is a um, this is a tough one. I mean, I just picked the biggest college in Canada, U Toronto. I thought about McGill. There's, and I know there's Dalhousie is in Halifax because they played against uh, UNH, and I also saw them play at a, there was a tournament in Dartmouth when I was a kid. They still have it. And it's uh, a New Year's tournament. Dalhousie came, and I was like, "What the heck is Dalhousie?" But yeah, it's in my Halifax. wife. My wife's alma mater, actually. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. She's American. Don't worry, I didn't marry yeah. a Canadian. I That's all right. Would never do that. Uh, <laughs> all right. So Trevor remains one up through fourteen questions. Number fifteen: The Stelvio Pass has been used thirteen times in what event where it is the highest point ever reached? Mark is in. Boy, okay, two in a row. Off of my high of immediately knowing Ronnie O'Sullivan, getting two that I cannot parse at all. I know I don't know this. I don't know how to get there. With an incorrect answer, I will say pole vault, and I will move on. <laughs> uh, so this one, Mark get Mark gets it right. Mark squares the match. Mark, go ahead and explain this one. If I told you that the Stelvio Pass is a mountain in the Italian Alps, Trevor, would that have helped you? It would get it would get me it would get me off a of pole vault. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, I do like the idea that they're like, let's put the pole vault in a really high. Let's go up to a tall mountain to hold the pole vault. So these guys are leaping like you know way above sea level. Yes, the so Stelvio Pass is a mountain. Well, it's a pass, so you don't. I did learn this year that the um, so I went to I was in the French Alps this summer and cycled some of the coals and uh, so that you hear about on the Tour de France. So, coal means actually pass. So you're not going over the top of the mountain. It's the it's the pass that um, is open for a road. So yes, this was a, a cycling race. This is the Giro d'Italia. 
the tour of Italy, so the Italian equivalent of the Tour de France, and the Vuelta a España for Spain, one of the grand tours. I said this year. I, I wondered if this was cycling because you got it so quickly. But I was like, this can't, this can't be the Tour de France, surely. So that's this is like we got a dynamic here where Mark successfully drafted off Trevor's <laughs> early snooker knowledge, but Trevor could not draft off the off the cycling. Yeah, everything Mark said is absolutely right. And uh, so now I guess, yeah, all square through 15. Let's go on to 16 here. Okay, in both 2022 and 2023, there was only one 20-game winner in Major League Baseball. Both winners came from the same team. In 2022, the 20-game winner went 1-0 in the postseason with one start, while in 2023, the 20-game winner went 0-2 with two starts. Name either one of them. Okay, Trevor's in. Tell you, didn't pitch for the Reds. Neither Correct. of them did. Correct. <laughs> Can't give you a full point for that, but that's We've correct. been terrible. Okay. Did, did they win 20 games all year? Trevor, that's insulting. Not many more than that, though. So whoever won in 2022, the team lost in the first round, I guess. They only had one start. 23 could have lost in the first round again. I think, yes, they're both Braves because the Braves have been good, much to my dismay. We talked about I hate the Braves. Trevor loves the Braves. So I will say I thought I looked up recently that Spencer Strider won 20 games this year. So that'll be my answer, Strider. Really, really well-reasoned, Mark. Uh, you both got it. Spencer Strider is one of them. Kyle Wright is the other one. And, uh, yeah, everything you said was right. They played for the Braves, and they, in both cases, lost in the first round of the playoffs. I would I would have thought the other was Max Freed. So glad I went with the other one I knew more. Yeah, if you'd asked for both, I would have said Max Freed as the other one as well. So, Well, this is, gentlemen, this is very exciting. We're all square through 16 questions. I thought Trevor was going to go ahead there, but Mark pulled it out. Number 17. In rugby union, a scrum half typically wears number nine and, among other roles, removes the ball from the scrum and usually passes it on to the team's other halfback. Give the positional name of that other halfback who commonly wears number 10 and often kicks for the team as well. Mark is in. You're both in. Fly half. Correct. Well, Trevor wants to learn about rugby. I, I do remember him saying that the other day. But yeah, I have a friend who, a friend of a friend who was a nearly national team level rugby player in Wales until he got injured uh, and semi-retired from the game. He works for, works professionally in Welsh rugby. He's worked with uh, the Welsh national rugby team. He's like a strength and conditioning guy. He's worked for the Cardiff Blues and the London Wasps and other teams in the Premier League rugby. So watch a lot of rugby. I, I still struggle sometimes with some of the rules, but I do know a lot of the names of the positions. And Fly Half is kind of a funny name, as well as Scrum Half mm-hmm. and Hooker and some of the other funny names, funny name positions in rugby. So I made I made it ever since getting like real trying to get better at sports trivia specifically, I make a um, resolution in the new year. What sport am I really just going to like? invest myself in to learn more about it in 2024 is going to be rugby. So I've started to do research in um, the different, different positions, the different rules and strategies and teams. So this was very welcome. This question. Yeah. Every time rugby is one of those sports that I don't know much about, but every time I turn it on, I enjoy myself watching it. It's just like six nations. I'll randomly be like, Oh, that's on. And it's always fun. All right. So I've got that. You're both 10 for 17. Again, not blowing smoke at you guys. Quite good on this Meister Shaft. You're tied. Let's go to question number 18 here. In 1976, head coach Johnny Majors led the Pittsburgh Panthers to a 12-0 season and a consensus national championship. 
Name the school where Majors played his college football and where he returned after 76 to serve as head coach. Okay, Mark is in. I don't know why why I don't know this. This bugs me. It's the Hero d'Italia. The pole vault. <laughs> Probably because you were like negative 20 in 1976. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, he the yeah, I just think that's fair. That's fair. That's actually a great point. I was not alive. But I don't like to use that. I don't like I don't like to use that as an excuse, but it is an excuse. My immediate thought was to say, did he go did he come back to the is he from the Pittsburgh area? But it's obviously not Penn State, I don't I wouldn't think. I don't know. I will say Syracuse. So this one is Tennessee. Mark got it right. He I mean, he was at Tennessee, I think, until Philip Fulmer took over okay. in the nineties. Okay. Phil Fulmer, yeah. I know. Going back to my dad being a Latin teacher in high school from 1970 till I don't even know, 2002, I think he retired. One of the things they used to do, he had a Latin club and they did chariot racing. And he, the high school kids used to go uh, to various places around the country. This is like early 80s for some, you know, like chariot racing festival against other high schools, which sounds very bizarre. But two of the places that they went, one was Tennessee, one was Michigan State. So he always came home with a football jersey from these places. And so we became quasi fans of these schools. And yes, I didn't know that Johnny Majors was the coach at Pitt until probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago. Like I just associated him with Tennessee because he was there for a long time during the 80s uh, when I was growing up watching college football. So have you had to renounce your Tennessee fandom as a now South Carolina fan? I haven't been a huge Tennessee fan for quite a while, probably since Peyton was there was the last time and T Martin, like I kind of liked them. I, that was when I lived up here in new England. Like I grew up here in new England, but I did move to Atlanta for five years after college. And I grew to hate most of the SEC schools. And so, yes, my daughter is at South Carolina now. She's a freshman there. And so now we're, we're Gamecocks, Gamecock fans all the way. Uh, I'm not a huge, I've not been a huge Tennessee fan in probably the last 15 years though, at least. All right, Mark takes a late lead. Desperation time for Trevor here. One up after 18, only two holes to play. Uh, another, snooker, another snooker question right now. <laughs> no, cycling. The last two are really hard snooker questions. I just <laughs> decided to go all in. Okay, 19. At the Tokyo Olympics, Katie Ledecky joined a group of American women who have won at least 10 Olympic medals. Name any one of the five other women who belong to this group. Okay, Trevor's in. Are these all swimmers or are you just saying 10 American women, period? I guess they don't have to all be swimmers. It doesn't say they're all swimmers. This is when I say the question says what it says. Yeah. No, that means they're not all swimmers. <laughs> I was thinking swimmers immediately. I wonder who the others are. That's a great question, Shane. Thank you. Here's my answer. Four of the other five are swimmers. You both correctly answered the one who is not a swimmer, which is Allison Felix. Uh, is there, really is there thought, another, is there another thought, Allison in the group? Yeah, actually, the funny thing okay. is, Allison Schmidt is one who also did it in okay. Tokyo, a, a young swimmer just like Ledecky. That's why oh. the question doesn't say she became the latest American woman, because I didn't feel like looking up whether she got her 10th medal before Allison Schmidt did. Yeah, and the others are Jenny Thompson, Dara Torres, and Natalie Coughlin. I thought, writing this question, almost nobody would get Allison Felix, but great job, both of you. Mark, more than me, but we're both track fans, so that sure. checks Yes, they talk incessantly about Allison Felix and her very long they career, sure and she always wins. You know, she won the they four by four and four hundred and two hundred, and she's won it at several different Olympics and World Championships. So, yeah, I would have said Jenny Thompson definitely crossed my mind. Dara Torres also crossed my mind. 
when I thought at first it was swimmers only, that was the way I originally was thinking the question. Jenny Thompson would have been my answer. She grew up about 10 miles away from where I'm sitting. We have Jenny Thompson pool here in Dover, New Hampshire, the next town over. So um, yeah, she's a, she's all time great for sure. All right. So it looks like to me, I think I got 13 to 12 in Mark's favor. He's one up going into question 20 Could close it out. If he knows the answer here, or could Trevor tie him and send us into tiebreakers? Number 20. There are only three players in the history of Kansas men's basketball with more than 2000 points and more than 1000 rebounds. Name two of those three. Trevor's face, a picture of agony right now. Mark calmly contemplating. I'm agonizing on the inside, Shane. <laughs> okay, we got 30 seconds left on the clock. 10 seconds. Mark's in and incorrect. I'm going to say that, Trevor. <laughs> I figured. You have a chance. Oh, it's just, I am going to be so frustrated. I cannot pull a second name. I cannot pull a second. If you ask me for one, I would give you Danny Manning. I'm pretty confident in that. Mark just correctly two. gave a second one. Oh, <laughs> damn it. All right. So here's the deal. It is Danny Manning is number one in uh, in scoring, and he does have more than uh, 1,000 rebounds. That's one. Wilt Chamberlain's not one. So there's a little oh, bit really? of s- semi-unintentional bait there. I-, I wrote it without thinking about it, but then other people said Wilt Chamberlain and I in the play test. I said, I still like this question. The other two are Rafe LaFrance, which Mark – correctly got afterward okay. and nick collison is the third oh yep okay that's who i couldn't think of i said paul pierce and, and chamberlain and i was like pierce i don't think played long enough but and then mm-hmm. I, I was batting around the rafe lafrance and then i was like the, who, it's the other tall white guy who was like yep. a bench player in the nba nick that collison. i could not think of yeah. his name yeah. nick Coll- but nick collison is who i was trying to think of Yep. The uh, funny thing about Will Chamberlain <clears throat> is he didn't play his freshman year because of some rules. Like he played on a freshman team, yep. which is very funny for me to think about. Like Will Chamberlain on the JV squad, uh, and then left before his senior year. Well, there you go, okay. guys. Uh, really, really nicely done. Mark wins one up, thirteen to twelve. But yeah, uh, so far your scores are better than the total of two players who have taken the Meister shafts or the Uber shafts so far. Uh, Nick Collison will haunt me at least for a few minutes. I thought it, I, I could think of Kirk Heinrich. Because I remember watching Marquette versus Kansas, Final Four. You know, Kirk Heinrich was on that team, could not pull Nick Collison. Yeah, and I totally forgot about Danny Manning. Or I would have said him. I just completely spaced him. I was just immediately like Chamberlain and then trying to think of somebody from those, the Paul Pierce, LaFrance. And then Collison was the guy. I couldn't I couldn't think of his name. Tall, tall guy. Got a ton of rebounds and points and, and played mm-hmm. there actually, I think, for four years. Yeah. And yeah. So thanks. Thanks, Shane, for uh, reading this for us. This was fun. Yeah, of course. Um, anytime. Yeah. Thanks, Shane. Really appreciate it. That was a lot of fun. Retro good luck to everybody <laughs> who took the Uber shaft. I mean, that was tough. I was, I'm, I'm pleased to get 13, right? Yeah. I think that's sure. high, higher than the last time the Uber shaft was played. Could yeah, add a couple Mark, more, yeah. but man, some of those are tough. Like those hockey ones. I yeah. know hockey and I even know college hockey. But Canadian college hockey, man, that is rough. I mean, only the only exposure I get other than some of the random teams that come and play UNH in the preseason is these universities that I hear about when I'm watching the Grey Cup. And they're like, oh, yeah, he played at BC University or I think I guess I've heard of you, Alberta, uh, before. But those are tough. So props to anybody who gets those. Yeah, the Super Shaft had something for both of us. It had snooker. It had cycling. Yeah. Yeah. Track and field. Track and field for both of you guys. I think um, I'm... Loosely handicapping, I think the over-under here on the winning score would be like 15 and a half, I think. Yeah, um, I think, I think maybe we get one person who gets the 16, maybe not. Although people can always surprise you. Like Daniel Brazina could come in and get 19, and it wouldn't 
wouldn't necessarily shock me, but I think it's it's hard enough that I think that seems like the right number. Yeah, I definitely think that some of the ones that we missed are gettable. And, you know, but by the same token, like, do people know Snooker? You know, are they able to suss out that that is Snooker? You know, like, that's a tough question. Mm-hmm. The Stelvio, you know, like, you could look at it and think that it's a, a method of competing like Trevor did, or you could know, like, oh, no, the Stelvio is in Italy. I've heard of that. You know, like, I know, like, the first time I heard of the Stelvio wasn't even the cycling related thing. It was featured on Top Gear, the British Top Gear. They like went to the Stelvio and called it the best road in the world to drive on. So mm. yeah, some of those could play a little bit harder or easier depending on just people's general general knowledge. So and when the, when this comes out, we'll know how it played. No, so. exactly. And we'll see. Thank you, Shane. This has been Talk Apocalypse, and we'll see what Sportsdramas has for us next fortnight.